Missoula Roundabout Podcast. I'm Alex, Rob from the Rich for Gario, and with me as always is my co-host Nick Steele from the Poor Shams. Nick, how are you today? I'm well, how are you? I'm excellent. Good to hear. Why do you steal from the poor? Well, you know, it's really just because I hate them. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I gotta say, though, if you're gonna steal from somebody, the poor is probably not the person to do it from, because they don't have that much to steal. Well, yeah, but, you know, I hate them. Okay, fair enough. Nick's just joking, of course, folks. He does not hate the poor. I do not hate the poor. We just like these little catchy intro Mm -hmm. titles. I'm a champion of the lower class. Yeah, any any chance I can get to, uh, you know, bust bust Nick's chops, (laughs) I'll, I'll take it, week in and week out. Uh, so, welcome to the Missoula Roundabout Podcast. Today's episode is Robin the, Robin the Hood, and uh, we're going to be talking about taxes today, specifically property taxes for the most part, city property taxes. Uh, today's beer is from Highlander Beer, and we're drinking the Strange Haze IPA, unfiltered IPA. What do you think about this one, Nick? You know, I don't mind it. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Um... I'm generally, Highlander is not a go-to for me, but this one's all right. You know, um, great yeah. pizza. That's right. Okay, beer. Yeah. You know, the, and the space is is great. Pizza's a nice addition. I yeah. just, you know, I, I like IPAs, and I feel like they don't do that many IPAs. They probably do styles that are, like, harder to do, but I'm a simple man. I, I've never been super overly impressed by their beer. They always have at least one on tap that I deem drinkable. Yeah. Um, but it's a confusing brewery in general because it's actually the Missoula Brewing Company. Right. And then Highlander Beer is right. a Scotch Ale. Well, that, Highlander Beer is a, it's a, a name that they just purchased, right? They just purchased that. Exactly. Highlander was the one of the very first breweries in Missoula way back when. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of synonymous with Missoula yep. and beer and everything. And yeah, there was a gentleman who bought the rights to that name. Mm-hmm long ago because it used to be a pale ale originally highlander beer was a pale ale oh was it yeah and i remember when i first moved to missoula 15 years ago occasionally you'd see this old pickup truck around town that said highlander brewing company on it and it would always confuse the hell out of me because this was you know google's around but it wasn't in our pocket all the time Mm -hmm. and so like i would spend a lot of time trying to figure out where highlander brewing was because i wanted to go to as many breweries as i possibly could right and it was like this mystery one that I knew was around because why would that truck <laughs> uh-huh. be there if there uh-huh. wasn't a brewery to go with it? And then finally somebody explained to me that there used to be a brewery called Highlander. A guy bought the rights to Highlander beer. They actually brew it up in Whitefish at Great Northern oh, okay. Brewery. Um, and then eventually that turned into the business where he opened Missoula Brewing Company. They still brew Highlander beer up in Whitefish at Great Northern. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And it's a red ale, right? It's a scotch. Oh, it's a scotch ale. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then you have the Missoula Brewing Company, which uses the Highlander logo all the time. And the whole thing's just kind of fucked up, you know? Yeah. I like my beer simple and full of hops. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to think about it too much. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there are beer today, and uh, this one's pretty good. I like these unfiltered IPAs. They, uh, you know, they can go real wrong if they get too many fruity, citrusy notes in them, but mm-hmm. they can be pretty good, too. And this one's pretty good. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, uh, we're still looking for that beer sponsorship. Um, but, you know, you got to make a good IPA if we're going to take you on. Yeah, that's it. 
Yeah, good flagship IPA. I don't know. Throwing some names out there. Draftworks, mm-hmm. Blackfoot. Mm-hmm. That'd mm-hmm. be nice. Imagination. Imagination. Yeah, they got a good one. Mm-hmm. So just putting it out there. Yeah. Um, all right. So taxes. Yeah. We're going to dive into taxes today. Taxes. What the hell are they for? You know, just to anger people? Well, I really think so. You know, like you just tax the poor people, um, you know, for previously stated reasons that's right and uh and you know just try to make their life harder yeah i mean that's that seems like the basic gist yeah um yeah of course during the election uh taxes was the topic of the day i Mm -hmm. imagine many election cycles taxes is the topic of the day but in missoula western montana currently western states uh cross across the board taxes or property taxes are Mm -hmm. escalating um to a lot of different factors but uh, that was definitely something we had become well-versed in and talk about, and it was something that we were asked about all the time, from the media, from constituents out knocking doors, and all those forum panels. Yep. It was inevitable that we'd talk about taxes, and you know, usually you were kind of expected to have some sort of solution mm-hmm. to alleviate the tax burden as well, which right. we'll get into a little later. But um, the basic idea of taxes is that you know, in order to support a society, you need, need that money. Uh, there's that quote about... People are, or civilizations are only as good as they're poor. Yeah. How's that one go? I, I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. You know what you I'm know, saying. Right. Yeah. So it's important that we take care of each other and take care of those that are less fortunate. Right. And taxes are the government's way of doing that. Um, you know, you need money to support the system. You need money to support in- infrastructure, services. The government's expected to provide you with mm-hmm. safety. So you need to pay those police and firemen. Um, and in order to do that, everybody's got to chip into the pot, and that's essentially what taxes are. Right. Um, so, yeah, taxes have been around forever. I'm actually reading a book right now uh, called Conquistador. It's all about uh, Cortez and his, uh. Uh, his foray into Central America there. What was the capital gains tax rate at that time? <laughs> you know, it's actually it's interesting because you had Montezuma, who mm-hmm. was the Aztec ruler of kind of the what's now Mexico City, but it was three cities. And then they, of course, from there kind of fanned out and mm-hmm. took over everything. And their population was estimated to be, you know, somewhere between two and five million people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they paid taxes. And you paid taxes in the forms of goods. And so you were, you know, you crops mm-hmm. um, and then also gold and silver. And then, of course, back then you had uh, people were Right, you know, sacrifices were kind of a big, mm-hmm. big part of that. So you also were expected to pay a certain number of citizens, kids, things like that for those sacrifices. Interesting, um, which was alarming to Cortez, which is interesting because then, of course, he, you know, pillaged and destroyed an entire society just to get their gold and silver back to the right king of Spain. But yeah, uh, yeah his moral <laughs> compass told him that what they were doing was wrong. Um, so yeah, anyways, taxes have basically been around forever. As long right. as you've had societies, especially yep. as societies got past hunter gatherer and grew, it was inevitable that you were going to get, you know, mm-hmm. a king, a queen, a ruler, somebody saying, Hey, I can't do this on my own. I'm not going to finance it myself. I need the folks that I'm my subjects right. to contribute to it. So, well, and if we all chip in a little bit, we can, you know, create opportunity for everybody, roads, fire, safety, police. Bus service. Bus service, yeah. That's the idea. Everybody pays in their fair share, and we all reap the benefits mm-hmm. of it. Um, so, yeah. So, you've had taxes through history. Um, in the United <clears throat> States, of course, you know, 
we kind of based our tax system off of uh, British and European taxes. And at that time, they had property taxes as well. And uh, the idea was that if you own property, you were somewhat wealthy and therefore you could afford to contribute your fair share. Uh, back then, they actually had four taxes in general. They had a poll tax, which was uh, levied on all adult males. And so basically, that was hmm. your tax you paid to vote. Ah, interesting. Yeah, which you could see some problems with yep. that one. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, slaves mm -hmm. had mm -hmm. a hard time paying the poll tax and therefore getting to vote. Right, um, right. Anybody that was, you know, not a wealthy landowner had a hard time paying that. Yep. Um, so you can see where that's problematic. So that one we've we've done away with, thankfully. Like I mentioned, they had property taxes back then. They also had faculty taxes, which were levied uh, on adults, um, and it was your earning capacity basically. So that's kind of our our income, income tax, tax today. Yeah. yeah, basically what you can earn. Um, it's a little loosey goosey back then, mm -hmm. you know. But and then you had tariffs, which are of course you know taxes on goods and services, right? Which we still have today. So yep. not a lot's changed for Montana. You had the 1889 Constitution, um, and back then what you had was the State Board of Equalization, and they would kind of leave it up to each county to assess their own taxes. Okay. And it worked fine back then because each county could kind of look at their needs and then evaluate their taxes based on that. You know, Butte, which at the time had millions of people mm -hmm. and, you know, infrastructures being taxed stuff, they probably needed to levy more taxes. Plus, they had all the millionaires there, and they wanted right. their piece of that. But then if you went out to like Weibo or something, you know, maybe not such a need. Mm -hmm. um, so the taxes were less. But that all changed in 1972. Uh, the Montana Constitution changed. And the uh, duty of taxes was to appraise, assess, and equalize the evaluation of all property, which is to be taxed in the manner provided by law. And that's kind of where we got to the point where we are now, where the state looks at each jurisdiction area each county assesses the value of the property mm -hmm. and assess and assigns a mill value there right and that's how you get your mill values that's how the cities figure out how many mills to levy the right. counties figure out how many mills to levy and that's how we get our tax bill any questions nick what's a mill we can a talk mill. about that later what the hell is a mill <laughs> no that's actually fine we can uh, move right into that that was my next my next question or my next uh my next line item here excellent so mills, uh, mill is a term to infuriate and confuse the taxpayer mm -hmm. in order to get them to give up on trying to figure out how their taxes are assessed right? and to just pay their damn bill and move <laughs> on. That's my understanding. Uh -huh. um, no, just joking. A mill is basically a, a unit of measurement. It's, it's how you measure, you know, what a, a made up value is and then from there you can assess based on that value how much you need to generate for your property taxes so we'll go through this real quick and i'll make it fast because boy is it boring yeah yeah and this is one thing that um i almost guarantee if you ask our our entire city council to explain what a mill is and how a mill value is figured and so on um that at least half of them would have a hard time just mm -hmm. explaining that in a um, cognizant way that you could understand. Right. Um, which I'm not, it's not necessarily a knock against them, but um, as a candidate, this was something you had to figure out and mm -hmm. something we talked about and something that was kind of part of the news cycle because the mill values went down this year, mm -hmm. but, or the number of mills went down, but the mill values went up. Right. Therefore, you know, you were still taxed you more paid, than you were the previous year. You, we, we, we pay fewer mills 
but more dollars. Yes, exactly. So how does the state do this? So they take the current year's adjusted property value um, and they increase it by one half the average rate of inflation over the previous three years. So they're basically using the property, you know, the jurisdiction's property values to come up with this. And so then they compare it to inflation. And so you get uh, the previous year's property values times uh, one plus three years inflation over two. So one half. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can always go to the state website and check this out if anyone wants to get it for themselves and really understand that. Yeah. And we'll put this in the show notes too. Okay. And then... You find the jurisdiction, the jurisdiction's maximum mills. So this is a thousand times the jurisdiction's adjusted property tax revenue. That's that APTR, which is just the the total property tax revenue value for the whole area. And you divide it by the certified taxable value minus its newly taxable value. And so basically, you're looking at you know what what it's valued at this year versus last year, and taking that difference and multiplying it by a thousand. And then you find your millage rate. And so you put that over a thousand and you have your millage rate. And that's essentially the number that the state sends to the city of Missoula and says, okay, here's your millage rate. So mm-hmm. that's what a mill is worth. So a mill is worth, you know, 0. 0.8642 or whatever it is. I, I did have this written down once, but uh, believe it or not, I couldn't find right. my, my handwritten yeah. notes from, <laughs> from the election period. Right. Um, and it changes not only year to year, but location to location. Like in Missoula, our mill value is different than Great Falls or Helena or Kalispell's mill value for this year. Yep, exactly. And the reason that is, is because like we were just talking about, you start out by looking at an area's property tax value. Mm-hmm. So Missoula counties, all the property in Missoula added together is not going to be the same as all the property in Gallatin County or Mineral County or so on. And because that's the number that all of this is kind of hinged off of with inflation, it's going to vary place to place. So Mm -hmm. it's not the same across the board. So each county, each city gets given that value and said, okay, here's your millage value. And then from there, they plug that in and say, okay, we have our budget. We need this much money. So based on this value, how many mills do we need to levy against each citizen in mm-hmm. order to cover our bills? And that's where you get that. And like Nick said, it varies year to year. And therefore, you know, you can have a situation where that value goes up. Therefore, the number of levies goes down, but your taxes are still going up. So the whole thing's kind of infuriated. Right. Because in the end, people don't care. They don't care what a mill is. They yep. don't want to know what that mill value is. They really don't want to take the time to look at this formula and figure it out. And they shouldn't have to. It should right. just be as simple. Your taxes are going up by this percent this year. Yep. You know, and that would alleviate a lot of the confusion. Right. So, anyways, that's that's what a mill is. That was a good answer. I hope that you. helped. I know yeah. all you listeners that are driving in your cars or sitting somewhere and can't actually look at that formula and just heard me speaking that is probably very helpful but like nick said check out the show notes if you Mm -hmm. want to see that formula and um on your website nick did you you had an explanation of that didn't you where you kind of went through it and um i didn't like at the end of that you said people don't care about what a mill is and i totally agree so i didn't break down what a mill is on my website i talked a lot about sort of the practical you know effects of tax uh rate changes and how they uh, how they um correspond to property values 
you know, we we think often about property taxes as a percentage of our of our pro- the value of our property. So when our property value goes up, people get really concerned because they think their taxes are going to go up. But the the value of your property have has nothing to do with the budget of the city. But that's just how we assess that property tax. We assess that tax based on your property because if you own more property, we think that you are more capable, more able to pay more. So in theory, it, it is a progressive tax in that sense. Exactly. Somebody that owns a 900-square-foot home in Missoula should not have to pay the same amount as somebody that owns four condominium developments in Bozeman. Right. Yeah, and therefore that's that's why it's based on that formula so yeah. that you pay pay your fair share. That's right. Um, so then from there, because it's all based on your property value, um, you know, at a certain point in the year, I think it was right around what like April or so when people got their evaluations. You get a notice in the mail basically I telling you. I think it was what, later than that. Was it okay? But I can't, I also can't remember because I I had filed, which happened in I guess in April. And, and people oh, really started talking about it. The 18th of June. There we yeah, go. I have mine right yep. here. Fantastic. Just need to flip it over. So in June, you get a letter from Missoula County telling you what the, the, the estimated value right then of your property might be. Um, and then based on that, what your, what your taxes are going to be. And so I got mine, you know, it was uh, 362.1 is what they thought it would be. And then when I got my actual tax bill, it was pretty close, um, about $200 difference. In which direction? Uh, for the taxes themselves. Yeah, I apologize. I'm having a hard time finding the, the property value on here. Um, but I'm looking at my assessment said they estimated my taxes would be $43.28. And in reality, they were $45.38. Uh-huh. Which is interesting because most of the time they tell you the assessment is high. And mm-hmm. they, you know, that's kind of what the mayor told everyone when they got these and everybody right. freaked out. He said, you know, he went. they went over different mm-hmm. reasons why taxes went up a little bit and so on. But then they also said, you know, sleep tight. Your valuations are usually higher than what they come out at later in the year. Right. Not the case so much. This time they were actually pretty on point. Um, but $200, not bad. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. You know, that was, that was close enough. Um, and the reason, one of the reasons this is so frustrating for homeowners is, you know, when you buy a house, uh, if it's paid for and whatnot, then you get your property tax every year and you know that that's, that's got to come out of your pocket. You got to right. pay it. And so if you're a retired person mm-hmm. and you're on a fixed income and you're kind of have an expectation based on what it was last year. But it keeps going up, and every year right. for five years, it's a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars, and pretty soon it's five hundred dollars mm-hmm. after five years. And where do you come up with that? You know, you're retired, where you don't have extra money coming in. Um, then it's just a, a property owner with a mortgage. Um, you know, the bank puts that money in escrow, and part of your payment that they calculate for you includes the property taxes because the bank doesn't want to see your house right. going to foreclosure because you can't afford to pay your property mm-hmm. taxes, so they roll that in. But then one day you get a letter from the bank saying your escrow account is short. And you're like, well, what the hell? We calculated this. I thought this was my mortgage payment every month. What's going on? And you look into it. Property taxes went up from when you signed your mortgage. And therefore, you got to pay a little more every time. Mm -hmm. That's also troubling, especially people that, you know, find themselves with a mortgage payment that's hard to chew off every month. Right. 
circumstances happen. Right. And then all of a sudden you're in the hole and you got to come up with that money. Mm -hmm. So you can see why this is an important issue to people and why people get fired up about it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you ready to dive into the the property tax bill itself? Let's let's do it. Look at these line items. I'm ready. All right. So we won't get too detailed because much like the mill formula, this can get a little boring. Mm -hmm. But um, basically, your tax bill is broken into four parts. I would say. You have your city, your county, your schools, and your special assessments. And then we'll focus on the city just to start out. So on my tax bill, the city portion, and I'm not including the special assessments because several of those are kind of direct city special assessments, but just the general fund city part was 25.55%. So of my $4,500 tax bill, it was about $1,100, give or take some change. Yeah. Which is pretty close to the, you know that graph the city hands out where it mm-hmm. kind of breaks down your tax bill. Right. That's right around what they always say is like yeah. 28% or so. Mine's right. a little less. Mm-hmm. Mine um, was 29.626. Okay. And if I factor in the special assessments like the city park district, the city road district. Right. Um, you know, that'll add on another... Four percent or so, and so yeah. I'll be right up there at that twenty-nine percent as well. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know, Nick. What what kind of things does that go to? You know, this is we were running for city council, so this is the part of the tax bill that we talked about, and this is the part that people tend to focus on, even right. though, like we said, it's somewhere between 29 percent of your tax mm-hmm. bill. So it's not the majority of it. It's not right. the biggest part. But it tends to be the part that people focus on the most and the part that people get most bent out of shape. And the reason they kind of go after city council, the mayor, so on. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's that paying for? Well, predominantly it's police and fire. And then, um, you know, it's things like parks and road maintenance and, you know, city council and the mayor's office and the, the city court system and... Um, you know, there's like a, there's a myriad of things, but those are the those are the big the, the things that take the biggest chunk out of that um, tax bill. One, one of the things I'll say is when you look at your tax bill, everything's broken down. There's all these small numbers, except for the city. That city general fund is one big lump sum, and so it's the thing that seems the biggest, even though it's only less than thirty percent of your taxes. Yeah, and I'm not sure why they do it this way. It seems like if you were to just break that out a little bit and, you know, like I referenced that pie chart that the city puts out every mm-hmm. year, the uh, kind of quick facts about the fiscal year budget, there's always a pie chart that breaks down what, you know, what their budget goes to, how much goes to fire, how much goes to police. seems like it'd be very easy to include that right. on here. Yep. And it would help people understand that because you're right. When you see that one single line item that's a quarter, 30% of your bill, it seems crazy. Whereas the county, the schools, they're all broken into, you know, at least 10 or 12 line items. Right. So you really get to kind of see where that money's going. Right. Yeah. So I, I'll read off. I have the list now. I'll read off like the top handful. And these are in order descending. Police, fire, the health insurance for all city employees, parks, streets, development services, attorneys, municipal court, health department, and so on and so forth. Um, and the last thing I read, health department, is uh, I pay $19 a month or $19 a year 
uh, based on my property values uh, last year. And for police over the year, I paid $202.39. Which seems pretty reasonable, right? Totally. Somebody's uh, trying to break into your house in the middle of the night. I'd pay more than that. Kicking at your that door. Yeah. You'd probably pay 200 bucks to have somebody else come deal with that so yeah. you didn't have to, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Or $19 to the health department. Yeah. I know uh, we go to the health department to get our flu shot every year. Mm-hmm. That's a fun ordeal with a six-year-old. I'll, I'm sure. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would pay $19 just to get those flu shots. <laughs> yep. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You people know? all over the place probably do it. And, and then you have, you know, we talked about earlier that a, a government, a society, you got to look out for those people that are less fortunate. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in Missoula, the only place they get any sort of preventative health care is from the the health department. Right. So seems like yeah. one of those things that's a pretty good expenditure. Absolutely. When, when my son was born, which was um, 14 and a half years ago, we were young and poor. And the health department, the county health department, like, saved our lives, essentially. We we went there for, you know, lots of health-related things, but they also offered things like WIC and uh, birthing classes, like all those things we did through the county. Yeah, we also uh, did the, the birthing classes at the county health oh, really? department, yeah. free class. Yep. Hot tip for the listeners out there. Um, and this one I've, I've confirmed with several people that I've given it to because I did that class almost seven years ago now mm-hmm. um you know if you do the whole class which is free and offered by the county and full of great information and things to kind of prepare you for a child uh they have a drawing at the end for all the attendees uh-huh. for a car seat oh so those things aren't cheap right you know, they're kind of 100 bucks minimum yeah um but in order to get it to get your name in the drawing you have to make all the classes ah a lot of these people, and I think the classes extend over like six or six weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people taking these classes didn't plan very well. Mm. So the the little ones coming before those six weeks is up. Uh, a lot of people just, you know, free class, mm-hmm. don't feel like they have to make them all. Yep. So basically we got the car seat because we were the only couple that oh. actually came to all the classes. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, I can confirm. I know two other people that I told them, hey, you know, if you just go to them all, you'll get a free car seat because no one else does. That's Yeah, that's and, good. And uh, both of those couples also got that. So That's great. That's, that's like a, a nice gold star at the end of the program. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a hundred bucks in your yeah, pocket, easy, you yeah. know, so just for showing up to a free class. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the hot tip for the listeners out there. Good one. Yeah. Okay, um, so that's city. Then we move on to the county. And when you look at the bill, county's got all kinds of line items. You know, everything from the fair to the general fund to aging services, capital improvements, public safety, so on and so on. Uh, for me, this equates to about 20% of my bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 19.7 is what I got. And, you know, some of these special assessments, there's a county open space bond down there but it's only about ten dollars a year so that's not gonna tick it up too much but right around 20 percent mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm right there as well and so you know why why is it that the county requires less taxes than the city does well um i think that that you know when you think about especially when you think about missoula county most of the infrastructure is in missoula in the city of Missoula. In the city, oh, exactly, yeah. So yeah. the city sort of bears most of that burden, and, and the county, um, you know, they just they don't have big parks, for example. 
um, there, you know, I'm looking at the top, the, the sort of the top um, dollar items here. It's the general fund, which is $165. Um, the, the detention center is $92. Um, public safety fund. Public safety fund. Which is going to be like the sheriff's office. Right. Other important, uh, important things. Other things like that. <clears throat> but, um, I mean, so if, you know, there are, you know, fewer sheriff's deputies than there are Missoula police. Like that infrastructure is just smaller for the county. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I was getting at. You know, this yep. is something that people have a hard time grasping. Sometimes, you know, if you live out in the rural areas, you you know, you're concerned with the county, you're concerned with the, what the county does, and then you kind of think that, like, Missoula people can sort of suck it, right? Right. And so <laughs> sometimes I talk to people about these sorts of things, and I have to kind of remind them to, you know, remember that every person that's in the city of Missoula is also a member of the county, mm-hmm. and they're also paying these county taxes. And so it makes sense that your county taxes would be quite a bit less than your city taxes because, like you pointed out, a lot of the ex- infrastructure, a lot of the real expensive things that come with running a city, you know, fall within the city limits, and therefore they're kind of city expenses. So the right. city needs a bigger budget than the county, yep. even though area-wise the county is obviously much bigger than the city. Right. But, and I would also say... Oh, a lot of the folks that live in the county but not in the city, they come to a city to do things like shopping and enjoy the parks and farmers markets and those things. So, um, you know, they're you know, they're seeing some of that benefit even if they are not paying for it. And this is how taxes work and this right? is how it's always been. Yeah. Because occasionally, you know, some of these outlying areas in the county are going to have big expensive projects that need to happen. You have water quality issues, mm-hmm. infrastructure needs. That small population that lives out there, if you just put that tax burden on them, it'd be too much. It'd be you know hard to bear. Right. But when you have everybody in the county paying into that, mm-hmm. then you can afford to do those projects. Right. And so it's that that whole attitude we talked about at the beginning where, you know, everybody works together, chips in, mm-hmm. even though you might not live in Potomac. That's part of Missoula County, so you know you have to pay money that can go towards Potomac, Sealy right. Lake, yep, all these various places that you know. Honestly, I visit them, I yeah. go there, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that I should have to kind of chip in a little bit of money for the, right. the use I do. Um, all right, so that's county. Then we move on to the biggest portion of your tax bill, and that is schools, and it's broken into local schools, so those are all the schools within the county, <clears throat> and then your state schools, which is again just this attitude that. You have these major metropolitan areas, and then you have small rural areas. You have to tax those major metropolitan areas in order to support the small rural areas, and that's kind of the idea behind that state school tax. Right. Well, it's actually in the Montana State, in the Montana state Constitution. There's a, a portion that talks about every student receiving an equal education. And so in order for you know a student in a very rural community to receive the same level of education and opportunity as someone in a you know a Missoula or a Bozeman, um, we all got to chip in and make sure that they have resources to have a, a good public education. And are you on board with that? Yeah, I'm down. We need an educated electorate. Should we play devil's advocate here? Um, sure. Maybe a quick one. Yeah, let's do it. Well... I would just say that, you know, if you choose to live out in 2. Montana, 
and you're separated from everything and there's only three kids in your school, then your your community should have to come up with all the funding for that school and you should pay the teachers because, you know, that's where you're living. That's how you're living. Put those kids out on the farm. That's where <laughs> well, they're th- going anyways, right? I think that's just it, right? Like these kids probably live on a farm that grow food that I get to eat, but they need to live out the on the farm so their, you know, family can work it. So I gain value because they get smarter. And I think if we're all smarter, we're all better. And I, uh, you know, also get to eat delicious, you know, locally sourced food. All right. Good point. Devil's got to eat too, right? <laughs> he does. What does the devil eat? Souls. Not devil's food cake? <laughs> Deviled Angel eggs. Food. Angel food cake. Deviled eggs. There you go. That's a good one. Nice combination there. Devil's food cake and deviled eggs. Burritos from El Diablo. Wash it down with a delicious cold smoke. <laughs> okay, so between the school parts of our bill here, you know, state schools account for about 11% of my bill. Mm-hmm. Um, local schools, about 36 and a half. So altogether there, you wind up with 47 and a half, or almost half your tax bill is going towards yeah. schools. Um, so I don't know. You know, we hear a lot of complaining and rallying against the city and mm-hmm. city council, our tax and spend city council yeah. and our tax and spend liberal mayor that wastes money. Why don't you hear more of these people complaining about those overpaid teachers and those huge school budgets and all these, yeah. these kids out there with, you know, just too much? Well, my opponent during the city council race did suggest that playgrounds were too nice. I do recall this. So, you know, she at least uh, mentioned that. I'm not sure she would successfully argue for lower funding for schools because that seems like a crazy thing to want. But, but yeah, I mean, I really think that if you were serious about reducing the tax burden on property tax or on property owners, finding a way, an alternative funding source perhaps – for public schools is is the first thing that I would do. Yeah. And I would say that any of those people out there that are rallying against schools to lower their property taxes are assholes. I Um, agree. And that, you know, basically we have to make investments as a society, as a country, as people, and our, our youth is where you start with that. Right. And unfortunately, we live in a society where the the cost of, you know, teaching kids and preparing them to be successful adults is not going down. Right. Um, I'm on the PTO at my daughter's school and we had our PTO meeting last night. And one of the asks we got was for Chromebooks because third grade teachers are tasked with um, star testing, which is kind of the state mandated testing. Uh, No child left behind. Thanks, George Bush. Mm hmm. and part of that is is that kids have to be competent at typing. Right. Well, are you supposed to do that on chalkboards with a QWERTY keyboard drawn on them? You know, yeah. you, you can't do it. So the kids need computers. Yeah. Computers are expensive. Um, yeah. I remember when, when Colin was, you know, sort of in that transition, like late third grade into fourth grade, they said this is a really time where kids need to move from, you know, learning to read to, you know, reading to learn. And so, like, those skills, reading, typing, all those things that become really critical for success in other subjects down the road. Yeah, it's it's not, not the same environment we grew up in as right. kids. And it won't be the same for our kids' kids. Right. And technology is kind of the difference, and mm-hmm. it's expensive. 
And so school budgets are going to continue to go up and schools are going to continue to ask for levies. Right. And, you know, the school portion of your property tax bill is probably always going to be the greatest because when it comes to all these different government entities, you know, they are tasked with providing an education for every single child. You know, no discrimination. Mm -hmm. Nothing can hold you out of school. And therefore, it's very expensive. And right. the schools are always trying to figure out ways right. to cut corners and save money. And, you know, in Missoula, every single school, or at least every single elementary school, I'm guessing it's probably middle schools and high schools too, their entire budget for the year is $25,000, which yeah. is crazy. Because yep. a family of four can never live on $25,000. No. So it's just nuts to think that a, a school with mm -hmm. 500 kids in it, that's what they get. And that's right. like at our school, you know, luckily we have a PTO that does fundraising. Mm -hmm. And so when a, a whole grade level needs Chromebooks, they can come to the PTO and ask for it. And we're lucky because we have the money to buy it. Right. But uh, that's not the case for all schools in Missoula. And, you know, if we start hacking and cutting away at this, um, it's going to have repercussions down the line. Right. And I think, you know, technology is sort of this double-edged sword because it does open up a lot of really neat opportunities to equalize that education, but it comes at a cost of real dollars. Uh, you know, that capital investment has to take place and then maintenance has to be baked into that. Those Chromebooks that you're going to buy today in three or four years are going to need to be replaced. Yeah, five years is what they kind of said the, the life of those are. I feel bad for those kids that get them in year five. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah they got to be right. full of a lot of different stuff by then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's that's kind of the reason behind why that's the biggest chunk of your bill. It's uh, it's probably just how it's always going to be. And so then we move down to special assessments. And this is where it gets a little confusing and murky. Um, and especially in Missoula. And this was part of our election cycle as these came up because this year, two of these special assessments, the city park district, city road district, um, they... City Council elected to up both of those, um, and it was, I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but I know the, the line that was taken at the time was that basically from the time those were started until now, they've gone up like 2,000%, you know, like 20 times what they mm -hmm. were when they started, because now, for instance, the park district, I pay right around $85 for that, um, and when it was first started, it was like $3, you know, when they first put those right. in place yeah. however many years ago. And so it's easy to just say it used to be $3, now it's $85. Mm -hmm. You know, this this council is crazy. Right. And I think it's tough, right? Because they probably said, hey, we want to do some, some neat thing and $3 will get us there. And then they did that enough times that all of a sudden we're where we are. And we have fantastic parks in the Garden City and I, I think, you know, most people, like, for example, we all voted for the last, um, you know, open space bond. We love our parks in Missoula. Um, but I, I think that the communication and then how those things are funded could maybe be revisited. Yeah, I think communication can all be improved. Like yeah. I said earlier, this this bill alone, you know, when you have the city and it's just one item. Yep. That leaves a lot of room for speculation mm -hmm. um, it'd be nice if it were broken down a little bit so people could see that and have the opportunity to question it if they wanted to right did you comb through the city budget at all trying to figure this stuff out i know i i did i, I did and it's, that's what i was daunting. looking at earlier like breaking down like you can break down the budget as a whole you know so i can say that you know i can say that of the budget um 
you know, I paid $202.39 for police last year. But it gets complicated because some things like on this list is um, Currents Aquatic um, Center. And like that we pay for, but it also takes in money. And so it's sort of a balancing act on like how much is it being subsidized versus is it a revenue generator? Um, And licensing is the same way. You know, people pay for licensing of, you know, when construction costs and all those things. Um, So it, it brings money in, but then we also, you know, we, we pay for those services as a city to make sure that our buildings are safe and our, and you know, that, that that development is done in a respectful manner. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Um, when we're talking about taxes, this is of course how the city, the county schools generate revenue, but it's not their only way of generating revenue. They also get revenue through fees, um, mm-hmm. tax, other tariffs and things like that. Right. But, and so, like you said, sometimes there's like a double tax there. Oh, dreaded double Ooh. tax. Did I just hear lightning? Yeah. yeah. Sandy, so. like somebody walked across <laughs> her grave. <laughs> so that's, that's like uh, currents. Exactly. You know, you pay a fee to go to currents. But you also pay in your taxes for currents. Right. Um, you know, and then you have things like enterprise funds. And those are parts of the city government that pay for themselves through the fees. And so the, the water, mm-hmm. city of Missoula water, you don't have no part of your bill here is city of Missoula water because it's an enterprise fund. So the fees that people pay, their water bill, all goes directly back into the water company. That's how they do their infrastructure, their equipment pay their staff members, all of that. And that's, that's why it's called an, I don't know why it's called enterprise fund. Yeah. Essentially an enterprise fund is something where the fees associated with it pay for the thing itself. Right. Um, and so again, this is something that boy, it'd be nice if the city would just communicate this to people Mm -hmm. and make it easy to understand. Um, I know they put out the pie chart every year that tells you fire and police, but it doesn't tell you like what the fire and police spend their money on. Right. And then you can go look at the budget, but that's also just as confusing. For one, the document's 380 pages. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at it, it's laid out in a way where it details, you know, what each department came and asked for, you know, what what they had the previous year, what was granted to them. And it's not an easy way where you just look at it and say, okay, the police department, you know, receives this much money from the budget every year. It's all very laid out kind of in a confusing manner. And like I said, you have to download this 300-page PDF mm-hmm. and start sorting through it. Um, so it could all be done a lot better to just yeah. just to help people understand. Yeah. I went through um, I, I when I was you know just beginning my run for city council and looking into the budget. I I looked at the Missoula budget, the Helena budget, the Bozeman budget, and the Boise budget. Um, and Helena's was the worst. It was the hardest to, um, I think on one of the question years, it was something like how much should Missoula spend on police? And I thought that was sort of a funny question because, um, I didn't have any context. So I looked up a bunch of peer cities and then, you know, based on population and overall budget size, I said, well, they basically, we all pay about a hundred dollars you know, per police officer per year or something like that. I can't remember what the exact numbers were. Um, and Missoula, actually, we fell right in the middle of that spectrum. But Boise's budget was uh, the best to go through. It was a treat. Really? Because it was yeah. just easy to understand? Right, yeah. I mean, it was like the layout was was good. Um, navigating, it was easy. They had like a simple breakdown and then the more complicated pieces. And they had like a, a brief narrative about what the police 
do in Boise. Um, it was it was good. That's great. And that you know that was something that you and I talked about during the campaign a lot. Is that you know one thing we wanted to is just make this all easier to understand. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we're not on city council, but that's kind of the point of this podcast, right? Hopefully, that's it. this is uh, an easier way to digest these things than mm-hmm. to. Uh, comb through a 300 page budget yeah you don't have to oh we did it for you i'll tell you who a good guy to talk to would be though as uh greg strandberg who also ran for city council and lost um he's ran for a number of different mm-hmm. things kind of a you know infamous guy here mm-hmm. in missoula but uh that dude has done his homework and he talks about how he's gone through the budget line by line and understands it and uh he can't speak to it so, yeah yeah he's someone that uh you know he's got a blog that he does and mm-hmm. If you hit him up in the comments and ask him questions and stuff, he's uh, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to, to run you through. Mm-hmm. It'll come with his uh, strong opinion yes. as well. The flavor, the flavor. He, he does know that thing. Um, so, anywho, that's uh, that's your overall tax bill. The last thing I want to cover before we move on, we'll keep this quick because it's getting a little dry here. Um, is your bond issues, and so these are the things that are voted in by you know by the Missoula voters. Stuff that's uh, outside the budget or things that they need more money for. And so they're very specific. And so you have in your special assessments, you have your Fort Missoula Parks open space bond. And so that was the Fort Missoula Regional Park bond of 2016? Yeah. Well, I actually think it was 2015, wasn't it? 2015? Yeah, it was on that off-cycle ballot. Gotcha. And so for me... I pay $52 for that, and I, I don't know. You know, personally, I'm fine with it. I uh, I live on the south end of town. I live in Ward 5, so I go to the park fairly often in the summertime. You know, I take my daughter down there. We load the bikes up. It, it's pretty awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a sprawling park, multiple playgrounds, dog park. You, you can spend a day there fairly easily and, you know, find a lot to do. I also, you know, I used to play full-time rugby. Now I'm part-time old boy um but again i mean the facility we have there now is leap you know way way better than it used to be having maggot fest there is just a dream come true you have the central area you have all the fields um you know our fields taken care of for us it's a quality field and so personally for me to pay 52 dollars for that i'm i'm more than okay with that you know i mean if they told me you had to pay that as like a, a park fee every year to use it. And then you got unlimited access. Like it was like a national park or something like that where you pay a fee. I, I would, I wouldn't even think about it. I'd pay that every year. Same. You know, and you know, I, I'll, you know, I'll be the first to say like, I've griped about that park plenty of times, but I pay, um, just under $40 a year for access to that facility. Play, you know, three nights of softball a week, every summer, um, so I spend my fair share of time out there and I think, you know, w- while I, there are definitely things I wish were different or better, um, the ability to just like roll out there any night of the week and play some softball or, you know, it's a free place for everyone to go to hang out with their kids, ride a bike, play on a playground, just walk around with no one else around you, throw the ball as far as you can for your dog. All those things, um, are worth easily, uh, what I, what, what I pay. Yeah, agreed. Um, and because it's a bond, eventually it's going to fall off your bill. You know, once the bond period's up. That's right. And then we're going to goes away. We're all going to vote it back in so they can update the softball fields. 
Yeah. Update the rugby pitch, too. <laughs> yeah. So um, then some of the other ones you have, you have two open space bonds on there. So you have one down in the special assessments, the RSOP county open space. Um, I pay I pay a fat $7 for that. Yeah, I pay 10 <laughs> So, yeah, that's, that's all, man. I can't believe it. Um, and then you have another open space bond. If you look under the county section, you have the LTGO 2017 bonds. And uh, that's the... Uh, Limited tax general, oh God, what does my note say? Obligation. So mm. open space bond, that one's $34 a year. So this was something we talked about during the election too, because you hear a lot about open space in Missoula. Um, because basically these bonds, you know, you hear a lot in the news cycle about them as they're trying to get pushed through. You have all these different special interest groups saying, mm-hmm. you know, we need this open space bond. Then it gets voted through. And then afterwards, now you have this bond and they start purchasing open space with it. And so it seems like something that we hear about all the time. And you do run into Missoulians that say, you know what, like I'm tired of open space. We have enough open space. We have enough parks. We have enough trails. Let's stop voting these things through. Which is fair. I get it. You know, there well, are I think people that are overtaxed. There's yeah, a lot of people that are overtaxed right. and, and I looking think it's, for relief. It's particularly those folks who are, you know, maybe older on a fixed income um, who, you know, they're not playing softball three nights a week. They're not using the open space the way other people are. And so, you know, it's it's tough. Um, but at the same time, you know, Missoula has consistently, as a community, supported park schools and libraries. Every time they're on the ballot, they get passed. So it's a balance. Yeah, I don't, you know, you live in Missoula, Montana. It's a community that obviously values the the out of doors mm-hmm. obviously values dogs and trails and parks and trails and parks <laughs> and open space so you know part of it is if you don't like seeing these things get passed you, you should probably move to a different county because i think they're always going to get passed because even if you're not the person out there hiking waterworks every day or running to the top of mount sentinel or trying out the bear marrow loop or any of these things mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are, and those right. people are happy to pay $34, $10, you know, 40 right. bucks a year mm-hmm. in order to have access to those things. Well, and yeah. as a good hippie, I'm one of those people. Yeah, I'm down too. And I just, I mean, to a certain extent, I just appreciate having fewer buildings. Like, I just like that Missoula, you know, we, we don't have, you know, buildings all the way up against the river. Uh, you know, we've got the, the Kim Williams Trail. Like that space is protected. And, you know, as Missoula continues to grow, I know it's going to be a challenge, but making sure that we, that everybody has access to like a green spot to play or to be, or to like get away from, you know, the downtown hustle and bustle. I think that's important for mental health. Yeah, I agree. And and it was something we talked about because there's a kind of a misconception that people point out where they say, Oh, you know, we, all this open space, we keep purchasing up this open space and now there's no room left for homes, you know, mm-hmm. as if like there's not enough land in Missoula, right? which is cr- true in like the downtown area in the city of Missoula, mm-hmm. but look in any direction right? and there's, there's land, there's development happening, there's future development that's mm-hmm. going to happen. And like you said, these open spaces, hundred years from now, what's purchased with these open space bonds is going to be the only open space in these right. areas. You know, when yeah. you, when you buy Bear Mare Loop, 
And then down the line, Patty Canyon area continues to develop. You have these people that used to own 40 acres, but then it got subdivided. Mm-hmm. And now it's 100 houses and so on. When you look at the map from an aerial view, these open space areas are going to be the only green space there. Right. And we're not going to be saying, oh, man, I wish we would have stuck another four or five houses on right. there. We're just be saying, wow, back in 2017, 2018, I'm glad that they passed that and bought that. Because mm-hmm. now we have a cool trail right next to our neighborhood, which right. really you know, helps everyone in the neighborhood get outside. And one of the things I would say just, you know, to, to, to reiterate is once you build buildings, like they're never going to go away. You're never going to turn, you know, an office park into a green space. No, it never becomes public land again. Right. That's what, you know, all these groups say all the time um, and the public land versus private debate is like, basically once it becomes private, Right. It, it never becomes public again. Right. I mean, there are cases where that happens, but for the most part, it never goes the right. other direction. Well, and even even if it does become, you know, public again, for example, the the current uh, plot of land that the Missoula Public Library sits on was gifted back to the city, and it will become public. It's not going to be green space. It's going to be you know another mixed use housing, you know, plus you know businesses. Uh, area which is great it's fantastic but it's you know like that's not going to become green space again because it's 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 a useful it's a useful asset for the city they're not going to demolish it and build a park there right yeah right you know it's too valuable um okay so we have those open space bonds and then uh also under your county line items there you have the library go bonds and so that was the bond to build the new library Mm -hmm. which i'm jacked for is the it Somebody looks, with a six-year-old, yeah, right. Like that place is going to be a yep. mecca. Mm-hmm. My uh, sort of in, shockingly enough, my uh, freshman in high school son will walk to the current public library to hang out in their makerspace, and I think th- like those opportunities will only expand. And I want to really encourage that behavior before my kid turns into um, a full-fledged teenager. Yeah, I mean, when I was his age, I'd walk, you know. Find a good place to smoke a doobie, but <laughs> not for anything positive like a makerspace. <laughs> so if you have that, that's yeah, you know, kind of amazing. And I think um, it, it's like those sort of cool opportunities that, uh, you know, a nice, welcoming space offers. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Did I just call weed a doobie? You did. Am I getting old, Nick? Yes, Damn. you are. You know, I heard it and I thought it, but I was just going to let you say it. Maybe we can edit that out later. Maybe not. Put a sound clip in. I'll say joint. <laughs> Okay, so you also had, you know, two school levies. Those are uh, not line items on your bill, though. They're kind of rolled into the general fund. But um, since we're speaking about levies, I didn't want to leave those out. Mm -hmm. But once again, if you don't support school levies, you're an asshole. That's it. And that's where we're going to leave it. Mm -hmm. Um, No explanation needed. Yeah, but you you can to some extent see where these things do add up um, to, to a point. You know, so we're talking about $34 plus $4 or up to 38 Then you add on another 50 so we're, we'll round it up to 100 So I don't know, you know, maybe you have $200 and that's being real generous mm-hmm. worth of kind of like levy voted in, open right. space, like things that voters chose. And that's, I would reiterate, like these are things that were put before the public. They were on the ballot. We all got to make our own choices, and we, as a community, said yes. Yeah, and, and so that's exactly it. That's why they're voter-approved initiatives, because 
people have to vote for him. And so if you're in the minority that didn't vote for it and didn't support it, that, that's tough, and I get it, you know, and you still have to pay for it, which is a bill you didn't want, but that's how democracies work. I mean, right. we're all wading our way through this Trump presidency, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, right. I and behold, I didn't vote for him, big yeah. secret. Yeah. But I'm also, you know, I get it, he's the president, right. that's how the system works, yeah. and so... You know, you got to make make do. So mm-hmm. you know, you can also make do with these right. This two hundred dollars. Right. We're, we're all bill. we're all paying for things we're not in love with. Yeah. But uh, you know, we all show up to the polls and we all vote to make sure that our voices are heard. That's how it works. And yeah. So far, it works pretty damn well, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a nice country, nice state, nice city. Yeah. But you know, so basically, forty five hundred dollars is my bill, and two hundred of it is these voter initiatives. Mm-hmm. So even if you got rid of them, I'm going to save 200 bucks, which is nice, but on a $4,500 bill, it's really not that much. Right. And we lose the library, and we lose Fort Missoula Regional right. Park, and we lose all these things. You mm-hmm. know, So for me, they're worth it. So if you're kind of one of those people out there that I spoke to as I knocked doors and said Missoula has to stop voting things through, and Missoula's too uh, generous and so on, I-, I would tell you to crunch the numbers and really ask yourself right. that. And if that's the case... I hear there's a lot of room in Mineral County. Yeah, right. You know, I've heard Ravalli County has some nice spaces down there with fewer taxes and services. Ravalli County is the next Missoula, Nick. Have you is not that heard? True? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that's true because the, I think the last time I drove down there, I saw like three signs that said vote Republican. Well, that's just good advice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter who the Republican is, just vote for them. Yeah, Exactly. Don't confuse yourself with the details. Got it. Keep it easy. All right. All right. So before we move into the last part of our podcast here, we're going to play a little game, break things up. So this one I put together for you this week, Nick. I'm ready. Uh, This one. Damn it. Okay. This one is called, Which State Taxes This? Okay. So I'm going to tell you about a tax. All right. As you can imagine, these are a little off the wall. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll give you four states to choose from, and you Ooh. can tell me which state you think taxes this. This is going to like really show my my bias towards certain states. Yeah, that's the point of these games mm-hmm. usually, is to uh, make you look like a real jerk. Yeah, yeah you know. Point out your biases. <laughs> All right, this first one is called Lower Altitude, Higher Tax. And this is a tax on hot air balloons. And basically, in this state, if you have a hot air balloon that's attached to the ground... You will pay a tax for it because it's considered an amusement ride. Whereas if you have a hot air balloon that's not tethered, it's considered transportation, and then it's free. Tax hmm. free, that is. Interesting, interesting. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like conjure up some a list of states that hate fun. So would it be New York, Wyoming, Kansas, or Florida? A lot of crazy shit happens in Florida. I was just going to say, like, you know, you, you said Kansas, and I thought, mm, yeah, but now you said Florida. I'm like, yeah, it's got to be Florida. You're going with Florida? Yeah, final answer. Kansas. Oh, I should have stuck with my first yeah. instinct yeah. there. So in Kansas, they uh, they don't mess around when it comes to hot air balloons. There's just no reason to have fun in Kansas. It's attached to a rope. It's a ride. It's in the air. It's just good means of transportation. Huh. You ever been in a hot air balloon? No. I do not like heights. Oh. A hot air balloon sounds terrible to me. 
you know, I've never rode one either, and I don't mind heights, but uh, I, I've always just thought they're dumb. <laughs> it's like a sailboat in the air. Right. Like you have no, mm-hmm. you don't get to go, or, you know, except it has no rudder. Right. You just go with the wind. Right. And so the whole thing just confuses the hell yeah. out of me. You go up, and then you just, how do you know where you come down? You just mm-hmm. come down in a field? Hopefully, you know? right? And hopefully you're not, like, traveling so fast that the thing tips over and then lights on fire. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. dying in an inferno. Of a hot air balloon. So no future podcast from a hot air balloon? Uh, I'm going to go with no. Okay. Okay. Uh, Next one. Okay. Uh, This is the bagel tax. So uh, when it comes to bagels in this state, an uncut bagel is uh, tax exempt. But if you cut the bagel in half, it adds eight cents to it. So would this be Montana? Vermont, New York, or Utah? It's definitely in Montana. We would never put up with that kind of bullshit. No. no Montana <laughs> would um, fuck around with a bagel tax. <laughs> I'm going to go with New York because I, those East Coasters and their bagels. Ding, 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 ding. All right, Nick, on the board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought maybe this one would be too easy because, yeah, New York bagels. Yeah. Um, it's the water, by the way, is what they say makes those New York bagels yeah. so great. I have, a, I have a friend, shout out, Mr. Xander, who uh, has really strong feelings about um, bagels. He's from that East Coast place. Does he call them bagels? bagels? No, but I like to tease him about it because I think he probably did once. Yeah, that's... Uh, my daughter for a long time when she was little called them bagels. Yeah, yeah. So we like to throw that around around mm-hmm. here. But uh, yeah, so in, in New York, if you cut the bagel in half, it's eight cents extra. And the idea is because it's probably being consumed on premises. Right. And therefore, uh, they want to grab that little bit. Okay. Greedy bastards. Next one. Um, in this state, being 100 pays off. So in this state, when you turn 100... Or if you lived in the state for six months and you're a resident, um, you are exempt from property taxes. Actually, scratch that. All taxes. Whoa. 100 years old. So it's kind of a boon. If you're if you're in a 100 years old and you move to this state and just stay there for six months, become a resident, uh, Living. You, know, you no longer pay taxes. That's right. And by that point, you've accumulated all the wealth you need so you can purchase all the you know land you want and just live tax-free. Yeah, state taxes, by the way. Sure. But I'm going to assume if you're 100, uh, your income tax is probably not a real burden. Right. Probably not working a 9 to 5 yeah. at that point. <laughs> so would this be New Mexico, Texas, New Hampshire, or Colorado? Ooh, Texas. Eh. Damn. New Mexico. Oh. New Mexico. You know, I was just I was just looking at some polls recently from New Mexico and for the for the upcoming presidential election and New Mexico is always funny. Like last in the primary, what was it, twenty sixteen they went Gary Johnson, he was their governor, of course. But um, Andrew Yang is polling shockingly high in New Mexico right now. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. New Mexico is kind of a cool state. I yeah. don't know why, but uh out of those southwestern states. Mm-hmm. That's um, the one for you? I get I've never been to any of them. Unless you call the Colorado Southwest. I wouldn't call it. It's Rocky Mountains. Yeah, we're talking mostly like Nevada. Right. Arizona, New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, I've been to Nevada too, I guess. But okay. uh, yeah. yeah, New Mexico, for some reason, that one stands out to me. It yeah. seems like a good place. Someday I, when I'm a snowbird, yes. this will be right about the time I'm taking off to go to my yeah. my place in New Mexico mm-hmm. and say, I'll see you suckers in May. <laughs> Which I don't, I used to think if you did that, you were not a true Montanan. You, know, yeah. you were kind of a, mm-hmm. you couldn't hack it, and therefore you, you could, you know, call yourself the other state, but not Montana because you only came in the summer. But the older I get, the more appealing that seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts mm-hmm. to really kind of seem like a good idea. <laughs> yep. Um, all right, number four. Uh, keep your body natural. Um, so in this state, uh, they encourage you to avoid tattoos and body piercings, or at least go somewhere else and get them. And uh, in order to help people resist altering their body, they charge 6% tax on all tattoos, body piercings, and electrolysis. Is it... North Dakota, Georgia, Arkansas, or Pennsylvania. This feels like uh, another state that hates fun. And I'm going to go with Georgia. Georgia hates fun? Well, I don't think the it's people the new that Hollywood, man. I don't think the people that live in Georgia hate fun, but I think their government probably is like, "Oh yeah, you guys are having fun. We're going to tax that." That would make sense, but yeah. Sorry, Arkansas. Oh, that was my second choice. Yeah, six percent tax on tattoos, body piercings, and interestingly enough, electrolysis. So if you're gonna yeah. have one removed, right? That's like they, uh, they, yeah. they hit you coming yeah. and going. That makes more fun. It makes more sense because you know, like when I think of Georgia, I do think of fun, but when I think of Arkansas, I think of Bill Clinton, and he doesn't seem like. He has, you know. He seems like a fun guy. I don't know the saxophone. I just, just never did it for me. No, that's not very cool. Yeah. How about how about piercings, Nick? I already asked you about tattoos. We know you have no tattoos, myself either. That's you, not uh, true. I oh, have, I have oh, tattoos. What am I talking about? Yeah, I confused you with someone else. You do have tattoos. I have like six. Six piercings. You got a Jacob's ladder hidden under there. That's a negative. Okay. Zero <laughs> holes. I have no tattoos or piercings. Wow. Um, so I'd be fine in Arkansas. <laughs> I wouldn't be paying that tax. No fun at all. I, I decided I just got a new job, so shout out to uh, Yakima Chief Hops. Um, and as my uh, new job present to myself, I'm going to get a big tattoo. Is it going to be a hops cone? No. Big hops cone across your back, shoulder to shoulder? That would be sick. That would be sick. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. It. Yeah, thinking about it, thinking about it. Now, I'm going to get a great blue heron. Okay. From ankle to knee. Gotcha. Why the heron? You know, it's just a bird I admire. They're elegant and... Um, you know, you, you sort of see them in the Missoula, you know, downtown corridor doing their thing. And, um, yeah, I dig. Yeah. You know, where I see them occasionally in Missoula is, uh, you know, the little riparian park area off of Russell and 39th behind the Jays Mart there mm-hmm. by the Albertsons. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while you yeah. see one there, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. Cause yeah. it's just this weird little like mm-hmm. wetland yeah. um, right next to a gas station. Um, but it, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a riparian area. So, all right, cool. All right, one last one, just because I really like this one. Okay. Uh, so, cowboy up. Um, so, a lot of people dress like cowboys, but they're not cowboys. They're called assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, in this state, um, specifically, belt buckles are taxed. So, in this state, uh, oh, wow. you, know, you can buy your boots, buy your 10-gallon cap. All that stuff, your spurs and latigo, 
and you won't pay any tax. But when it comes to that belt buckle and that goes across the register, you're going to pay 6.25%. What a funny thing to put a tax on. You know, I did some research on this one. and I, I, I The only thing I came up with that kind of justified it is that um, basically, you know, it's a big cowboy state, rodeo state. And you win belt buckles in rodeos. Uh, so if you win one, you don't pay the tax. But if you're just some yeah. dude, you know, who right. buys one and Got wants it. to wear it, I guess the state gives So this you is that. this is a state that probably doesn't have a lot of real cowboys. Or they maybe it is a state that has a lot of real cowboys and they all rodeo and they all get their belt buckles. This one I'm not even going to give you. Four choices, you just tell me. Oh, shit. You got 50 choices. Colorado. No, Texas. Tejas. Really? I who who are the people in Texas that are like, yeah, I want to pay six percent on my belt buckle? Uh all the people that visit Texas and want to dress uh, like an asshole but they're not an actual this, cowboy. So this is a tourist tax. I've in a way, yeah. Got it does it. kind of seem that way. Got it. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. All right. So I was one for four? One for four. Rough. I'll I'll try to make these games a little easier for No, me, don't. I, I you know, yeah. I I appreciate the uh the, the competition. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, you're on the board. That's what counts. So you know, didn't get shut out. If you go to Texas and you buy a belt buckle, you better have that extra 6.25%. Then if you drive up to Arkansas and get a tattoo, I'm going to get you there, too. That sounds terrible. Maybe I'll go to Arkansas and get a belt buckle and then drive to Texas and get a tattoo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, now you're working the system. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Get a tattoo of a belt buckle right on your hip. There we go. <laughs> Okay, so I heard you mention a tourist tax, which will lead us into our uh, last topic here, which is lowering property taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, we, mm-hmm. we talked about how property taxes in Missoula, they're going up every year. And it's its getting to the point where people are feeling the pinch, um, myself included. Like I said, you know, $4,500 in taxes. If it goes up another couple hundred bucks next year, and a couple hundred, pretty soon I'm paying five grand in taxes, mm-hmm. which is a lot. That's you know, yep. that's a lot of money for anyone and any member of Missoula. And especially, uh, you know, Team Liberty always talked about this person that's on a fixed income and they're being taxed out of their home. And they're having to choose either live in Missoula and not pay my property taxes or struggle to pay them or sell my home and, mm-hmm. you know, move from the place I love, which is a shitty situation to be in. Right. It's something that I believe, you know, some residents of Missoula are in that situation. I don't know if it's a ton of people, but um, either way, taxes are going up. So so what do we do? What are some options for lowering property taxes? And this is something as candidates we had to talk about, mm-hmm. or at least we should talk about and we should have options right? because people want to know what your plan is. And mm-hmm. so you can't just go in there and say, I'm going to lower taxes. Don't know how, don't well, know when, don't but know. But you can do that you as can. we learn the hard way. <laughs> to an extent, you can. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. Yeah. So. So you mentioned tourist tax. Right. How how are you going to, you know, sounds like a typical liberal thing, Nick. How are you going to lower taxes with another tax? Tell me that. Well, the best way I heard this described as it was being explained to me was we can either continue to tax ourselves or we can share that burden with someone else. And that someone else in this case is the tourist, is the person that's, you know, flying into Missoula, renting a car, tooling around our fantastic city, enjoying our parks, staying in our hotels. And so 
the state of Montana actually has this tool that's very specific. It allows um, communities to set a 3% um, tax on very specific things, such as alcohol by the glass, such as rental cars, hotels, um, and things that are really designed to um, target those folks that are not residents. Yeah, I believe it's 4%, isn't it? Is it? I, 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 I got to tell you, just talking about this right now makes me wince a little bit because yeah. we spoke about this so much right. during the campaign that it's a little tough. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's 4%. Okay. I think it's 4%. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you would say we have a pretty decent-sized tourist population in Missoula? Uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but I would say that it is our biggest industry. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard that too. Yeah. That uh, tech and tourism are our fastest mm-hmm. growing industries, and yeah. going to become our biggest. Uh, right. Yeah. So um, that would make sense. You grab some of that money from all the people visiting, goes into the general fund. We talked about earlier how the city has a budget that they have to they have to count for, and that's how they levy their mills. If all of a sudden they have this revenue coming in that they didn't have mm-hmm. the previous year, they can levy fewer mills, and hopefully that means right. Less paid in taxes for citizens of Missoula. Right. And in Whitefish, that is the way it's worked out so far. And uh, the, another critical part that I forgot to mention is that part of that um, law, and this is played out in Whitefish, is that part of that um, revenue that comes in through this tourist tax gets applied as a rebate to property owners on their tax bill. So in Whitefish, for example, folks can see a 25% rebate. So, you know, if you're paying $4,000 in taxes, a 25% rebate is $1,000. So then now you're only paying $3,000 in taxes. And that's meaningful property tax relief. Yeah, that's huge. So for me, that would be, you know, roughly $1,000 shaved off my tax bill right right there. So that... That's big, I right? Mean, that thousand bucks is big money. Yeah, and you know? it's it's it, it can grow, right? Like if you invest in tourism, and people come to Missoula, they'll spend more money, and that percentage can become bigger. Or we can say, you know, we're happy with a you know a twenty percent rebate on our taxes, and let's take that other five you know plus percent and invest it into new and better services. Like maybe the River Road neighborhood could get a bus through it once in a while. Yeah, maybe Ward 5, Miller Creek area. Can yeah. get a bus through it once in a while. Let's fund buses. I like buses, yeah, especially the electric ones. Yeah, those are my favorite. I ride a bus every day now, and um, I have to say, when that electric bus pulls up, I get a little excited. Yeah, I bet. You can hear your music better. You don't have to turn it up over the sound of the diesel. That's it. You just glide around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what I've heard, the uh, drivers really enjoy driving them, too. Do they? Yeah, because your your response on the pedal is like uh, almost instant. You know, there's yeah, no right. like lurch. Linear torque, yeah. yeah. I know that at the university, when they got their electric buses, the electric buses were like significantly longer than their standard diesel bus. And so it took all the operators like a while to get used to having like an extra like, you know, seven feet off the end. Gotcha. Um, but I think Mountain Lion have, have always had the bigger, uh, the bigger bus. I see. Believe it or not, Nick, I uh, once upon a time was a, a red tag holder, which you don't know what that means, of course, because no. you're just a lame-ass citizen. That's it. That's when, uh, when you have a commercial driver's license, oh. it's red. 
So I see you got your red tags. The yeah. old CDL. I drove truck. You Did know, you? And, uh, yeah, yeah, I delivered roofing supplies. So oh, wow. I, I drove big trucks. Um, and uh, yeah, when I hear people say that, you know, the buses were longer and therefore they had to get used to it, I just chuckle a little bit because <laughs> that just means you don't know how to use your mirrors. And that's, uh, you know, it's probably true, but like I think these, these student bus drivers get their CDL on the shorter diesel bus and that's the literally the only thing that ever they've ever driven yeah so no, and i've i've trained a few people to drive the uh, maggot bus over mm, the years mm-hmm. i also drove that once upon yeah. a time are uh, you still a holder of this no 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 i uh let it because um part of it is that when you have that that red tag um even as a like a civilian in your own personal vehicle, mm-hmm. you can only have a 0.06 blood alcohol level. Oh, and I think it's actually lower now. I know years ago when I was kind of getting out of it, I heard they might lower it to 0.04, mm. which for me isn't a big deal. I mean, I'm not like a big drinker. Um, I don't get drunk. You know, I don't ever really right. have to worry about a DUI. But I like to go to like a brewery and have mm-hmm. one beer. You know, sometimes I have like an Imperial IPA. Right. Um, and so, at, you know, at the time, I hadn't drove any commercial vehicles for several years. Right. And so I was like, well, hell, I don't want to go drink a double IPA, get pulled over, blow a .04, and get a DUI. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not, you know, well, which is half the I legal limit, right? Tag. Yeah, which yeah. is half the legal limit. Yeah. But, and I think it might be reasonable to say if you drink like an 8 9% beer, you're, sure. you might be towing that line. Sure. You know, um, but it is... It's a good idea, though. You know, they hold yeah. commercial drivers at a higher standard than they do everyone else, right. which is fair. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I also, I got a speeding ticket in Idaho mm. a number of years ago. Um, and so I got dropped from the Megan insurance and so I can no longer drive the bus, <laughs> which, uh, as you can imagine, driving the Megan bus is not a, a ton of fun. Yeah. I was, I, I, uh, I was going to say, like, oh, did you, oh, darn, like forget to, you know, renew it. Cause like, I, you know, it, yeah, it was a uh, quote accident, quote unquote. When the guy who does all that stuff called me up and kind of told me that, you know, he was sort of disappointed because... <laughs> There's not a lot of people jumping up and right. volunteering yeah. for that role. Yeah. And, uh, but I was like, hell yeah, no mm-hmm. more driving the bus. Mm-hmm. In a very different kind of uh, bus, there's only one CDL driver that will drive the Boy Scout bus. And so this one gentleman had to drive, you know, like 30 Boy Scouts from here to the Oregon coast and back. Oh, um, God. I don't know how he did it. Yeah, with headphones, I imagine. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. lots of patience. And yep. Lots of breaks, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, um, <laughs> local option tax. Yeah, it it's an idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, it, it seems like it's the best idea. I don't know how much traction it's gained, um, how much it's going to get pushed, you know, coming up in this next year. But uh, it, it could work, and we're not right. going to know if it could work until the state gives the city the opportunity to do that. So that's a, there's hurdles that have right. to happen. And, that, and the biggest hurdle there is that right now, the way the law is written, the um, <coughs> the population limit of the community is has to be below 5,500 people. So you, in order to enact um, you know this law, you have to be below 5,500 people. And so Whitefish enacted this many, many years ago and has just been grandfathered in. And so it just seems you know to a lot of people in Missoula that expanding that you know to let us in now is reasonable yeah and you know it's it's one of these things where it came into play because you had these local resort communities they get so many visitors that their infrastructure gets taxed 
but they don't have a big enough tax base to redo their roads every year. Right. So it's the only option for them just to cover their infrastructure needs. And that's why in Whitefish, specifically in the law they passed, a certain portion of it goes directly to road maintenance because that was the issue they were running in. Mm -hmm. And then another specific portion of it, 25%, goes directly to property tax relief because in order to get people behind it, you had to tell them, here's the benefit to you. You're going to see lower property taxes. Right, yeah. And so they covered their needs that way. Now we're seeing that infrastructure press on all of western Montana, all kind of picturesque West mountain states. <clears throat> and Montana's one of five states that doesn't have a sales tax. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being Alaska, which has a thriving extraction industry. So right. they can cover a lot of their gaps through that. But they also, a lot of the communities in Alaska, have a local option tax. Mm-hmm. And then the other three states also have these local option taxes. They're not necessarily a tourist tax, but they're something in place where the municipalities can place taxes on things in order to cover their budgets. Right. Um, and therefore, we're, we're kind of the only state that's lagging behind here, you know? And yeah. It's one of those things where people in Montana just can't wrap their minds around a sales tax, mm-hmm. which is fine, but this would be our next best option. Right. But uh, you really got to figure out a way to sell it. But right. from here... <clears throat> Excuse me. Home. Another option would be to cut the budget. And this is kind of what our our opponents during the race said. Is you know mm-hmm. they said that the Missoula is out of control spending. The inflated budget is why people's property taxes are so high. And that if we can rein that in, be fiscally conservative, um, you would see property tax relief that way. We never actually heard what you uh, kind of referenced to earlier. There was never really any solid ideas given as to what will be cut from the budget and what sort of property tax relief we would see from that. Um, but I'm really hoping that uh, Jesse and John and Sandra are going to roll that out in the not-so-distant future. Right. Well, I mean, I hope that, you know, we. I, I feel like I really struggled to get a grip on, like, what sorts of things they were looking at cutting. And so I, I hope that as they have the opportunity to dig in and go through the budgeting process, they do come up with some things and our community can have that discussion, like, you know, like, let's talk about a service that we have and let's put it on the chopping block and say, are Missoulians really willing to go without this thing? And is it going to disproportionately affect people, you know, who, you know, have less opportunities, make, you know, make less money, have a more complicated work, you know, life. Um, and, and that's the thing that concerns me. Is like, sure, there are things we could cut, but are we going to disproportionately affect people who are at risk? Yeah, exactly. You know, and some of the things they talked about cutting, uh, they point to the MRA, tax increment financing. Get rid of the MRA. Get rid of the TIF program altogether. Basically, cash out all those URDs. Mm-hmm. Um, from what we understand, that would give you about six percent back to your general fund. Doesn't necessarily translate straight across the board but let's just say it does let's just say you you get rid of the tiff you get rid of um the urds and you just take all that money that's in there put it back into the property tax pool and therefore you know you lower people's property taxes by six percent so for me you know that'd be around two hundred dollars and some change Mm -hmm. okay and then you know they also talked about these open space bonds the library bonds these things these voter approved initiatives and how basically Missoula is, you know, forcing people out of the community because they're approving things at too quick of a rate and things we don't need. You know, Jesse talks about wants versus needs, which is fine. Um, as I mentioned earlier on my tax bill, 
that would gain me again, you know, $200 and some change. So Mm -hmm. if we add those two things up, I could see $500 in property tax relief. But I think the thing that you, you have to also take into account is all the projects that, that TIF, you know, funds that are, are, that are not, that are like for the common good. Like for example, um, you know, Silver Park, um, got an investment of, um, almost a half a million dollars. And so like, you know, there's like parking garages downtown. Um, St. Patrick's Hospital got some money. The Aquatic Center, uh, MRL Park, you know, in my neighborhood, in the River Road neighborhood, and in Ward 6, they did a ton of sidewalk work. Um, So I think it's a little disingenuous to say, yeah, like we're going to cut all this and I'm going to save this money in my property taxes because somehow, through some mechanism these things would have to be funded or we're just going to go without sidewalks, which is after, I mean, to be honest, sidewalks was the number one thing I heard about during my campaign. And so sure. Um, some of the things you can look at this list and you'd be like, man, I wish we, you know, we hadn't spent so much money on, um, you know, the Mary Avenue East, which is that road through the mall like that, you know, like people might say, Hey, that was a lot of money or the bridge people. "Eh." But on balance, the number of things that we have gotten, you know, MRL Park, for example, like it's a fantastic park, Ward 6. Um, it's busy all the time, dog park, you know, kid area, big green space, uh, community gardens. Like these are things that I think Missoulians want. And either we can fund them through sort of a self-fulfilling mechanism like TIF, or we're just going to have to expand the city budget. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that's kind of where I was going with that is that you know, you look at those things and okay, as a taxpayer, I save $500 on my tax bill, $600. Let, let's just say 700 You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're getting real wild here and eliminating <laughs> all kinds of things. And I'm going to save 700 bucks. That's, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's not a thousand like we talked about earlier, right. which was kind of what Whitefish has seen. And what am I losing because of that? Right. All those things you just talked about. Our, our parks no longer have funding. We're not seeing new parks built. Mm-hmm. We don't have a new library. You know, we Missoula is not thriving the way it does as far as just new things being built and local businesses right. getting a little boost from the city right. and so on. And so as a citizen, I probably lose a lot just when it comes to my quality of life. Right. Um, versus the tourist tax, what am I losing there as a citizen? Well, if they're going to tax food and alcohol... I guess I pay four cents on the dollar, you know, so when I go buy my hipster beer for five bucks, mm-hmm. um, you know, I pay 20 extra cents. <sighs> guess what? I, I'm not going to notice that. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. I go out to a meal and I go to a nice meal and I, you know, I order right. dessert and stuff too. And it's a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. $4 extra on it. Right. Not going to notice that. Yeah. But when, it, when my parks are no longer funded, when there's no new library, when Missoula is stagnant and things aren't growing. Right. I'm going to notice that. Yeah. And so it's one of these things where, you know, no matter what, it's not going to be just an easy solution. It's going to it's going to be kind of a tricky thing and there's going to be stuff to navigate. Mm-hmm. And people are going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to pay that four cents on a dollar if we really want to grab the biggest possible chunk we can. Or if we're going to cut the budget, we're going to have to give stuff up. And right. so it's just a question of which one is going to give us the most bang for our mm-hmm. buck. You know, which one can we sacrifice and get the most out of? I don't think cutting the budget's going to do it. And I think the candidates that ran on that and the people that support that, 
they need to be the ones digging through that 360-page budget right. and coming up with ideas. But just saying it, it you know... Right. It's not getting us anywhere. And that's and that's I guess what frustrated me during the campaign is, you know, I said like let's let's talk about some things. Like if you have a part of the budget that you think can provide meaningful property tax relief if we cut and it's not gonna disproportionately affect people at risk, like I'm all ears. Like let's let's have that conversation. Yeah. But it didn't seem like the same was true on the flip side with something like a local option sales tax. It was just a hard no no conversation and that's you know that's frustrating i'm a pretty data-driven person and if you were to say like look i did the math and i can show you meaningful property tax relief through budget cuts that i think missoula you know could stomach you know i would be i would be willing to listen and interested in, in learning more and it didn't seem like that same um was the same was true for something like a local option sales tax, which would have to be on the ballot in Missoula. Like, let's do it, and if people hate it, vote it down. Well, there, yeah, you know, in order for it to get passed, there would have to be a giant education campaign right. behind it. People would have to understand it. It would have to be very clearly spelled out what's going to be taxed, what right. percentage it is, uh, the amount that's guaranteed to go back towards property tax relief, where the rest of it's going to go. Right. You know, I mean... It would take time, and, and like we said, you first you got to clear that state hurdle, um, and that's not going to happen until you get people behind it. When the, right. our state representatives hear from enough people saying, "Hey, I want I want my city to at least have the ability to vote on this," um, then we'll get that option. And right. then from there, the city can vote on it. If it gets voted down, you know, then we move on. Then we've on. at least had the conversation. We and I would it. also just say, you know, looking at the tax rate per capita for the big cities in in Montana. You know, Missoula is right in the middle. We pay fewer taxes than Helena and Kalispell and Bozeman, which is, I mean, sort of, it was surprising to me. Like, I think of Helena as, like, a pretty sleepy town. Like, I don't, they they don't seem like they have as much going on. They're not, you know, their downtown isn't thriving the way ours is. Kalispell's number three. Yeah. I think we're number four. Right. Kalispell, where I'm, I'm from, Kalispell. Yeah. That's that's a stagnant town. Right. You know, the places around it, Columbia Falls, Big Fork, mm-hmm. Whitefish, they're thriving and growing quickly. Kalispell's struggling a little bit right now and people there pay more taxes right. than we do here. So yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's one of those things like we talked about earlier. In those cities, you know, you have higher they're paying higher specialists. Those park districts, road mm-hmm. districts, they were established long ago and so they're paying higher on those. So even though they might be paying less fewer mills than us, their right. mill value could be higher. Right. Their special districts could be higher. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, when you say Missoula's got the highest tax burden in the state, it's not true. It's just not true, yeah. We have the highest number of mills levied in right. the state. But when it comes to actually what you pay on your tax bill. Right. Like Billings, for example, their entire road maintenance is through like a special district. Yeah, none of it comes out of the general fund. Right. Yeah. And, and Whitefish, it's a, it's a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Because of that local option tax, you know, that's the big chunk of their road road maintenance right. there. You know, so they're not taking a lot of it out of the general fund. Um, so uh, the other option I thought of was tariffs. So you could have taxes on items that aren't currently taxed. Anything come to mind? What could we tax? Maybe a substance that's not currently a legal, subs- but yeah. maybe someday it seems like it probably will be. You know, it seems to me um, like maybe like Washington, Colorado, 
uh, have have tried this. There's something going on. Yeah, in the that uh, that recreational marijuana tax seems uh, like a fantastic option to I don't know fund schools, which is the thing that I said would be my number one. You know, if you were going to meaningfully reduce property tax burdens, um, reducing school that school portion you know, through something like recreation marijuana seems like a great first step. Yeah, I mean. Uh, People have a hard time chewing on this one, and I, you know, what a dirty liberal I am for even <laughs> putting this out there. But in a weird utopian place where we had that local option tax, and then you also had legalized recreational marijuana that was being taxed at thirty-five percent, right? I would venture to say that your tax bill as a resident of Missoula would be cut in half. You right? In half, at the very least. And and I think that. Um... I mean, there, there, there's a ton of research that talks about, you know, legalizing recreational marijuana, like reduces use in teens and, you know, the, suddenly it's above board. So there's standards. Um, so there's lots of other good reasons to, to make it, to make it legal, but simply from a tax perspective, it, it could really dramatically change how much, you know, we are forced to pay every year. For the services that we need, like schools. Yeah, and, and we're we're not blind either. I mean, we I am happy to acknowledge the fact that when you legalize recreational marijuana, it, it brings in problems as Certainly. well. I mean, there's there's issues that come with it because you know it's suddenly you're taking a, a substance that you know alters people's physical and mental state and making it more readily available mm-hmm. than it previously was. Um, but it's just so hypocritical to have alcohol available on every corner in Missoula right. and, you know, and for all time, mm-hmm. but then to say, Oh, well, marijuana, that's, that's too much. That's going to ruin and degrade our society. When to look at it from just purely a fiscal standpoint, it's like, okay, here's this thing that's already all around our community. Right. Our neighboring state has it and has seen great benefit from mm-hmm. it financially. And all signs point to someday it's going to be on a national level. Right. Um, you know, legal. So like, why don't we get ahead of the game or mm-hmm. at least just start throwing it out there right. if we really wanted to see tax relief. Right. I mean, that that and, is an option. Yeah. And I mean, I think like there are like, when I brought this up during the campaign and a couple people say to me, yeah, but it really wrecks, you know, um, rent rates in places like downtown. And I would say maybe that's true. And I'm, I'm sure that we can look at other ways to mitigate it. But I think that that has already happened in our community. If you walk around downtown Missoula right now, like every block has a medicinal marijuana shop on it. And yeah. so, I mean, I, I, to me, that makes me think we need to like jack the taxes up even more. Like we need to like rebalance that market rate. But um, like it's it's happening. Let's. Yeah, because it's supposedly less than 5% of the population of Montana is a medicinal card holder. Right. Which would, you know, that would point to the fact that, what, Missoula is 75,000 people, so you have 3,500 cardholders here yeah. or something like that, 4,000. And so those 4,000 people are supporting the <laughs> however many dozen shops we have. Right. You know, it, and, it doesn't add up. No, I, I'm sure that they're just bankrolled by some, you know, bigger entity that's waiting for that recreational um, push. And then once that becomes legal, they have the, you know, the infrastructure. They've they've been here. They have you know, existing clientele. 
they have uh, employees, they have, you know, place. So I'm sure they're like just operating in the red until, you know, the ball drops. Yeah, I, I, I think you're probably spot on there. I'll go out on a limb here and say, too, that occasionally people with a card go in there and buy marijuana. And they sell it to people that don't have cards. That would be you illegal. Think that happens? No, think that's that happens? illegal. I hope not. I think, I mean, the other thing I wonder is like, like you said, neighbor, you said like you can drive for two hours and end up in Spokane. Yeah, I mentioned my affiliation with the Maggot rugby team earlier. Yeah. There's some real hardcore heads that play for the Maggots. <laughs> and as you can imagine, sometimes they make their way to Spokane. Right to access something that they can't get here right. and therefore support the economy of Washington. Mm-hmm. I've even... Could be supporting the economy of Missoula. Yeah. I've even heard from, you know, like medical marijuana uh, cardholders in Montana who drive to Spokane because they say that the selection is better and the quality is better because um, you can just like walk into a shop and, and um, you have access to more things. I mean, I'm not well-versed in the... Uh, the marijuana paraphernalia, but um, you know this this guy I was talking to said he go you know he'll instead of he could walk into a shop in Missoula and buy it, but he'll drive to Spokane to get a better quality product. Yeah, and in that case he's legal except for that Panhandle of Idaho. Just zip through. Oh man, <laughs> don't stop in walls. Yeah, you were the only candidate that uh, during the campaign. I really pushed it hard. Yeah, yeah. you pothead Nick. I am not. Yeah, I think so. I have, you know, I certainly have um, inhaled. I say you tried it once, but you didn't inhale. Yeah, um, and I'm not opposed, but for me, it was just numbers. Like, if you look at the data, it bears out a, a, a clear outcome that seems beneficial for everyone. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a not a huge pot guy either. I, I was definitely kind of into it in high school and whatnot, but... Um, but just from a purely financial standpoint, and I've been to Colorado, I've been to Washington, mm-hmm. I, I know people that live there, yep. you know, especially in Colorado when that was kind of a new thing. Talk to folks mm-hmm. that I know that moved down there. It's like, all right, you know, how's, how's society? Is it degrading underneath you? And uh-huh. it's like, no. You know, if anything, the people I know in Colorado say they can't wait till it goes across the nation. So people stop coming to Colorado? Yeah, just so they can clear some people out of their state because yeah. it was like for a while there they were gaining – you know, 10,000 new residents a month or something like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So that's it. Those are some ideas, you know, uh, folks out there listening, if you have other ideas for lowering taxes, we'd, we'd love to hear them. We'd love to discuss them. Um, we'd love to pass them on to the city council mm-hmm. members because maybe uh, there's a little nugget out there, something in the budget that you can cut right. that'll magically put $2,000 back into my pocket. It's just waiting to be discovered. It is. I really... No, it's not. There's nothing no, in there. it's not. All right. You got anything else for the week, Nick? I don't. I am signing off for the next three weeks. I'll be in the world, so... Okay. Will I'll you be enjoy that? I'll be around waiting, keeping these mics hot. Sweet. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. This has been the Missoula Roundabout Podcast, and we'll pray for snow. Pray for snow.